the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you. Find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. And that's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we'll continue in this series called A Church for Real Life, where you will hear the miracle God story of River City Community Church. But there was a season in the wilderness before that happened. You know, independence is a quality that seems to be glorified in our modern world, yet the opposite is true with God. Dependence is the greater value. In a world encouraging independence, how do we find the real life through dependence? Well, Pastor Sean says, listen to what we've gone through. It's part one of a message called Learning to Walk. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Matthew chapter 4. Last week we started a series called The Church for Real Life. And that's been something that this church has been called from the very beginning. Significant to us. It comes out of John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Another translation says have it more abundantly, have abundant life. We paraphrase that, that they might have real life. Because that's what it's all about about. And last week we told the story from John 9 that led into John 10 of a blind man healed. But it was really a story of some blind leaders who totally missed God's purpose and intention. And we saw that sadly, that kind of blindness and leadership isn't exclusively a first century thing, that we leaders today can struggle. We saw that a church for real life, fundamentally, we leaders have to remember this, we people have to remember this, we the church have to remember that a, real, a church for real life is all about Jesus. That's what we're here for. That's why we're here. He paid the penalty for our sins. That's what it's all about. It's all about Jesus. And remember, we said a church for real life is a place to find life. It's a place to be real, and it is a place to reclaim the church. So many people have kind of relegated the church to irrelevancy, and that is not at all the truth. That is not God's desire and his plan. The church is this amazing thing that Jesus established. Well, it's exciting to walk a new path and be called to walk a new path, which is what a church for real life for us really was. But interesting, whenever you're uh, called to walk a new path, it requires leaving the old path. And I want to suggest that's often the hardest part. In the very beginning of this ministry, when we were just praying about what we were supposed to be, a group of us, something kind of funny started to happen. Every day in my daily devotions, my Bible, I would go get in the Word, and I would just kind of, you know, just start, and I'm not even thinking about it really. Because I had Bible reading plans I was going through, but I would just go and I would open my Bible and it would open to this Matthew 4 passage. At first I didn't think anything of it. Oh, I'd skim it, read it. Oh, good. But then another day, then another. And it was like, then it started getting weird. And I'm like, seriously? I still have that Bible. And those pages are literally kind of loose and out. I've had to stick them in there. You're like, well, what was the big deal about Matthew 4? Well, let's take a look. Let's see. Beginning in verse 1, this is the passage where Jesus is tempted. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. Note that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. I want you to see that because God had a purpose. I think he still has a purpose for these kind of times. 
He was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came to him. If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he, Jesus, answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's interesting, the enemy will always come at your weakest points, your points of hunger, your points of need. That's where he's going to come. But Jesus establishes a pattern by combating that with scripture and by declaring, um, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We have another source. And he's talking about our physical needs. So that's a big deal for him to say that. God is our provider. If there's a hunger in your soul, if there's an area where you feel you have need, just understand there is a God who wants to meet that need. And Jesus uses the word to remind the enemy of that. Well, verse 5, then the enemy, then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus has just had the devil quoting scripture to him. You ever had that happen? It's kind of weird. But he realized what Jesus was doing, and he began to try to twist the word. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And and it's like, wait a minute, that's so presumptuous, Satan. This is Jesus you're talking to. What do you think you're doing? Well, actually, to be completely fair... God gave the keys to this earth, dominion, if you will, to mankind. And mankind in the garden, when he disobeyed God and gave in to the tempter, literally gave those keys to him. That's why he's called the prince of this world. So he wasn't just blowing smoke here. He did have a measure of authority given to him by our sinfulness. Bow down, and I'll give you all these. And Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So I'm looking through this passage, because every single day, it's like, Lord, what do, you want me to, what do you want me to see? There's some great things in here. Jesus was tempted in three very significant areas. Note these, because they're important. In, in his area of his needs, even his physical needs, his provision, the area of his security, his well-being, his safety, and the area of his ambition. His life mission. Those are three areas. I've observed, as you would, that Jesus combats temptation every time with Scripture. That's a powerful lesson, a powerful understanding. But it's like, Lord, what are you wanting me to understand from this passage beyond those things? And then one day it dawned on me, and you'd think, gee, you're a pastor. You should have come up, you know, come upon this a little quicker, but, well, you know, not the sharpest tool in the shed, I guess. Every single quote Jesus used came from the same section of Scripture, very Specific section of scripture. Every quote came from Deuteronomy 6 through 8. That's where those quotes came from. That's part of a discussion that Moses is having with the children of Israel in the wilderness. And it's fascinating that when Jesus was tempted, when he was in this wilderness experience that the Spirit had driven him to and Satan met him in, that he quoted from the words of Moses when they were in the wilderness. And so we went and started looking at Deuteronomy 6, 7, 8, and God started to speak to us about a church for real life some things he wanted to do, some things he wanted to say to us. In fact, if you have your Bibles, flip over to Deuteronomy 6. Let's take a look at that. I just want to look at a few of these verses. Deuteronomy 6, 7, 8 has some great stuff, and it became very significant to us. And God began to talk to us 
This is what the word says. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. This is Moses speaking to them. That you may do them in the land to which you're going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son, and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. And then this verse that is so familiar. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. These parents who just went through baby dedication understand this idea. And, and this is one of the most powerful parenting lessons in Scripture. Teach the word not just in Sunday school or not just in classes. Teach it through life. A great kind of guide for parents or for leaders anywhere. Let life bring the curriculum. Let life bring the curriculum. Sometimes you want to have those little talks with your kids about important things about the Bible or something like that, and they're like it's totally another place and they don't want to hear it. Well, that's just, that's just normal. But there are those moments when there's an issue with a friendship, and you can talk about what the Word says about friendship. There's those moments when they've been hurt, and you can talk about what the Word says about hurt. Those moments when they're afraid, you can talk about what the Word says about fear. Let life bring the curriculum. And that's what he's saying to them. Live this. It says, you shall bind them, these instructions, as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It's fascinating. This is a people who are in the wilderness. You remember what happened? They were slaves. And God called them out. And so they had walked now for 40 years in the wilderness. And these people are being prepared for something different. Do you know there's there's an actual principle in Scripture? We, We call it the wilderness principle. And it's this idea that when God is preparing someone for something big, he puts them through a wilderness. It's not to torture them. It's not to be mean. It is simply to help them separate from what's been before and prepare for what's about to come. I mean, think about it. Abraham, God called him. But then Abraham went through this time where not a lot was happening. He was wandering, kind of a wilderness. Moses, specifically, a wilderness. God wanted to use him as a deliverer of his people, but Moses had to spend 40 years in the wilderness before he was ready. David, you remember King David? Samuel the prophet anoints Jesse's son. He's going to be king. And what happens? King Saul comes after and drives him into where? The wilderness. And God has to teach David, prepare his heart to be king. And then we see what the Holy Spirit did with Jesus as he led him into the wilderness. So some of you may be right now in a place of wilderness. You may think nobody cares. You may think God forgot. God's put some visions in your heart, some some things that you think he has in front of you. But it's like, wow, it sounds like a great vision, but God, nothing's happening. And I feel like you've forgotten me, put me on a shelf. And it, it might not be true at all might be that God, God's got you in the wilderness. And I just want to say to you, do not rush things when you're in the wilderness. Because God wants to teach important and critical things. And that's what he did for us as a fellowship. 
And we want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called Learning to Walk, which, by the way, is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org, where you can even watch a video podcast of this message and series. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue to help others just like you. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Rotama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. And now back to the message, Learning to Walk. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. He goes on, verse 10. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you, listen, with great and good cities, so this land, with great and good cities that you didn't build, houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns or wells that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Fascinating thing. As we were as we were just praying together, God said, and you have to be real careful with this, okay? because the, and when you're studying scripture, there are some things that are clearly for those people that we're to learn from, but they're not specifically for us. The Lord began to stir in our hearts that he was going to do some things similar to that passage right there and others in that Deuteronomy 6, 7, 8. You know, those cities with buildings and houses you didn't build and filled with things you didn't fill wells you didn't dig he said specifically he was going to do some of those things for us we didn't we we weren't sure what to make of that when when you got kind of begin to sense god giving promises like that you what you typically do is you kind of say okay lord well i put that before you and you do what you do well some of you know we were meeting this little metal building early on in this church's development and uh and uh we were at a place where we had grown, we, were, we had multiplied, we were multiple services, we had all our kids packed in this trailer, and we needed space, and we didn't have any money. We had lots of kids, we had no money, okay? And kids have no money. They, you just need to know that none of these kids here, they didn't have any, no, no money, okay? And neither did our kids. So we were just in a place where we were kind of praying and desperate. And what's interesting is there was another fellowship just up the road from us, that had gone through a really difficult season. Their pastor had had a moral failure, and the church had had significant decline, and they were also, interestingly, praying and seeking the Lord. 
What would he want to do with them? I mean, they were, they were open to whatever. Were they supposed to shut their doors? Were they supposed to sell their property? They knew they couldn't continue as they were. And through a series of circumstances, I don't have time to go into all the detail, the Lord brought that, the pastor of that church and I together. And we just started sharing about what God was doing. And then what I call crazy talk started to emerge. When God starts stirring possibilities, you're like, oh, that seems crazy. Really, that, that seems crazy. And we began to discuss, we think God might be leading us to merge these two churches. It's Christ Redeemer Church and River City Community Church. So we met with the elders, hoping they would speak some sense to us. They didn't. They prayed, and we really sensed God was doing something. And so in December of 1999, we merged the churches together, and God did such an amazing thing. He blessed us so incredibly. In fact, three of our current elders were elders or leaders from that church, and they're still leading in this fellowship to this day. Isn't that awesome? Well, God bless that ministry. That was our campus. We were over at Redland Road and jones Mallsburger. That was where their campus was. And when we moved in, these were buildings we didn't build. These were things that we didn't provide. And we grew. You know what happened there? We grew. We did two, three, even at one point, four services there. We were shuttling from the elementary school. And so we were in in that situation again. Lord, we need to do something. And the elders were like, Lord, you know, what do you want us to do? And we always remember these passages of Scripture. We don't want to run out ahead of the Lord. And so we, uh, we prayed. And a commercial real estate agent who was actually associated with our school, I told, had lunch with him one day, and I was just telling him about kind of what we were looking, and he said, well, he said, the uh, Verizon Wireless Amphitheater is for sale. <laughs> I laughed. Oh, good. Really, it, it's kind of like, he says, I'm showing it if you want to take a look. He says, just for grins, you know, you want, you want to take a look at it. So, I mean, I'm like, well, okay, yeah, good. Maybe maybe do a swing by the Alamo Dome. They might be selling that. That'd be great. Let's check, you know, why don't we check that out? That's really what it felt like. It was, it was that kind of thing of like, oh, let's just, let's just check this out. And so I called the elders, and we arranged a time to go and meet this guy there. And we do. And really, there's that sense of, oh, wow, this is kind of silly, but, you know, we're looking, so whatever. Until we got on the property, we did kind of a tour of the property. And then, and I remember this moment, we got up on top of the hill, this hill out here. And again, whenever you stop talking and start praying, stuff happens. And we circled up, and we prayed. And... uh, The minute we started praying, it's like, okay, this isn't funny anymore. Because we began to sense God was leading us to pursue that property. And it's almost one of those things where it's like, God, are you kidding? Because it was. It really felt like... Like the Lord was doing this, and it was it was there. There was a sense of anticipation, but also a sense it was sobering. You know, I call it the gulp factor, pretty significant gulp factor. And so, as you many of you may remember, we went ahead and began to pursue. And in 2009, we were almost there, and then the whole deal fell apart. Remember that? That was fun. We lost $360,000 of the cash we had raised uh, for down, down payment, for due diligence, because the whole deal expired, and it didn't work out. And so, you know, that was fun at that elders meeting after that. And we're like, did we miss it? And here's the thing. All around the room, the elders are like, I don't know what's going on. Obviously, something didn't happen, at least the way we thought it was going to happen, but we still have this sense that God's doing that, that this is something God did. And so we, uh, 
we just go back to doing church. All of 2010, we just do church. And at the end of 2010, the sellers came back and they couldn't sell it to anybody. In fact, this was 100, this is 110 acres. Originally, we were only going to buy 100 acres for $6.5 million. They call us up and they go, we, we have to do something because financially we're going to lose everything we have if we don't get rid of this property. And so they said, we'll give you all 110 acres for $5 million. And we're like, okay. <laughs> we called up the people who were going to buy our other property. You guys still interested? Yep, they're still interested. And within four months, five months, we close. And God did it. Isn't that amazing? And then I go back, and I remember when he says, and by the way, the only thing we've built on this property is this building. Parking lots, infrastructure, the trees, the mature trees out in front of this building, they were there. We built the building around them. The bathrooms, those were the amphitheater bathrooms. We just remodeled them. I'm serious. God did something. And when I look at this passage of scripture and what he was saying to us, houses full, good cities you didn't build, houses full of good things you didn't fill, cisterns you didn't dig, vineyards, olive trees you didn't plant. And then this warning, when you eat and are full, take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. You shall fear him, you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you. For the Lord your God in the midst of you is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, be destroyed from the face of the earth. These were people in the wilderness going from slavery and needing to be taught a new way. You know, in Romans six seventeen, Paul says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin he's talking to us, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. We too, if we want to walk in real life, we were slaves to something else. We have habits from something else and patterns from something else. And we need to learn a new way, the way of real life. It's funny, what they learned and what I think we've learned is God wants to bless his people. You need to understand this. When God calls you and leads you, it's not because he wants to take everything good from you. You need, some of you need to hear that this morning. It's not because he wants to take everything good from you. He wants to bless you. That doesn't mean he doesn't take some things from us, but those are usually things that are standing in the way. Those are things that will be a hindrance. Those are things that are pulling us down. And whenever God does take something from us, he replaces it with some, something better and greater. But as I read this passage of Scripture today, I'm as convicted today as I was 20 years ago. Do not forget him. When he prospers you and brings you into places of blessing, do not forget him. There will be temptations and, quote, other gods in the land I'm giving you. Just like there was for them. Do you know there are other potential idols even in church ministry? There are. Growth can be an idol. Finances can be an idol. Power can be an idol. Tradition can be an idol. All kinds of things can be idols. And God says, when I bring you to that place, don't forget. Do not worship those idols. Because he said, God is a jealous God. And what that means is he wants our heart. Now, he wants our heart and our life. And here's the thing that he taught them in the wilderness. The thing I think he was trying to show and illustrate through Jesus Christ in the wilderness. And the thing that he want, he, he's taught us in the wilderness. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Real life is a journey of dependence. It's a journey of dependence. That is one of the great lessons of the wilderness. In fact, as we learned, it's a gift. And this is totally counterculture. Um, this is something we don't like to hear because we don't like dependence, right? We seek independence. 
We want personal independence. When little tiny kids, they're trying to, you know, I can do it myself. They, they learn very early to exaggerate their age up, right? Because they want to be bigger. They want to be independent. You've driven with your kid. I drove with my granddaughter, Rylan. She's three now. But the first time I put her on a lap and she's holding the steering wheel, she was so happy to be doing that until she figured out, wait a minute, Pops is really doing the steering. And then what she started doing? <laughs> Pushing my hand away. I'm like, what are you doing? You can't even drive. You're not licensed. <laughs> Same thing with playing the piano at our house. Play, play a song and she's playing along. As soon as she figures out what's happening, she starts to take my hand. Push my hand away. Get out of here. I'm better than you. But it doesn't stop as kids, does it? We, we go on and as we get older, we want to do our own thing. We don't want anyone telling us. We want independence. We want to work independently. We want to make decisions independently. We get to that place where we look for financial independence because we don't want to depend. And that is so counter the message of real life and of Jesus Christ. One of the secrets of the deeper life is the life of dependence, trusting Father with every single area discovering how dependable he is. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Learning to Walk or this whole series, it's available right now on demand when you find the sermon series on a church for real life at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a note that this program blessed you, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. And we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.